That's a little different, isn't it? Anyone know what the difference is between that version of happy and the normal version of happy? <laughs> the chords. That was done in minor chords. Which is very interesting. The minor chords are an interesting musical notation. It's a, it's a kind of a way, uh, when we use minor chords, we usually are kind of expressing a more subdued kind of mood. Sometimes a little more melancholy. That's why it feels weird when you hear them singing happy to the minor chords. In fact, there's a really interesting video that has them switching really uh, happy songs to minor chords, but then also taking minor chord songs and turning that to major chords, and, and then it feels weird the other way, because now all of a sudden you have a sad song sounding happy, just by changing the chords out. Today, we're beginning a series on minor chords. Don't let that bring you down too much. We're speaking about minor chords because the prophets and the minor prophets in Scripture often kind of speak in this more subdued tone. Everything is not sunny ways, sunny days. It's not always the brightest when the prophets look at what's happening in their culture. They look around, and it kind of breaks their heart. They look at what's happening, and they see that things aren't lining up quite with God. And so today we begin the journey of probably the very first written literary prophet. His name is Amos. We begin with him walking and trudging along a path, slowly but surely northward. He's going to the northern kingdom of Israel. By this time, well after the time of David and Solomon, the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom that God had wanted to be a light and a beacon to the earth, had broken in two. And the northern kingdom took 10 of the tribes, and they were powerful, and they had the, the southern kingdom, Judah. This is where Amos was from. And now he's going up to the big country of Israel. Now, Israel had been prospering at this time. In fact, this was the very first time when the borders of northern Israel had actually expanded back to what it was like when Solomon reigned. And the people were loving it. There was an economic boom. There was richness. And, and the, the, the court palace was just buzzing with building. And, and we can look back into archaeology. You can actually see this is a, a real period of growth. And so Amos makes his way towards the city with all the happy and sunshine in the minds of the leaders of Israel, and he comes with a message. As he enters, he walks towards the palace. He walks towards the uh, beautiful temples that they have there. there. And he begins uh, a smelly, stinky shepherd, a not well-looked-up-to fig farmer, he opens his mouth and he speaks a message to his northern brothers and sisters. One by one, he begins to proclaim doom. But they love it because what he's doing, is he's, he's telling the things they want to hear because what they've realized is that the neighbors around them, they don't worship Yahweh like they do. They don't have the big Yahweh festivals like they do. And they're going to be doomed for it. And so he begins to speak a prophecy to the neighbors of Israel and Israel is getting excited. To Aram, doom. Yeah, we don't care for him. <laughs> to the Philistines, doom. Yeah, the Philistines, time to kill the killing machines. To those in tear, we don't shed any tears. Then he pronounces 
little closer relatives, to eat them. Doom. We don't need them. <laughs> to Ammon. Damn them to destruction. To Moab. Doom. Oh, so sad. And they're hearing these pronouncements, and it's getting them more and more excited about, they are the people of God. And then he pronounces some words that kind of shock them for a second, but it tickles their ears even more. He says, for three sins of Judah, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath. Because they have rejected the law of the Lord. They have not kept their decrees because they have been led astray by false gods. The gods that their ancestors followed. I will send fire upon Judah that will consume the fortresses of Jerusalem. Like, what? Jerusalem? Yeah, we don't have any use for them. Those guys are always thinking they're so much better than us, telling us we can't worship at Bethel or Dan, and talking about how we're so bad, and now God's going to smite Judah, yes! You can hear Israel just getting very excited. Oh, prophet Amos, oh, great prophet, please pronounce more. And then the prophet Amos opens his lips and he says, for three sins of Israel, Day for four, I will not turn back my wrath. They sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample on the heads of the poor as upon the dust of the ground, and they deny justice to the oppressed. You can hear a pin drop. Did, did he just say Israel? The grumblings start rising as he continues to pronounce judgment upon them. It's not happy days. They start mumbling. They're getting upset. Who does this guy think he is? In particular, an official of the temple stands up. His name is Amaziah. And he is the great prophet of Israel. He stands to Amos and he says to him, we must send a message to, to the king, Jeroboam II. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you. In the very heart of Israel, the land cannot bear all of his words. For this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land. So you think, Amaziah thinks he has Amos figured out. He thinks he knows what Amos is up to. Amos is coming from his poor little country as a little prophet. He's not making much profits down there. So there's not much money. He's coming up to the rich country as a prophet, and he's going to make some coin. And so he says to, to Amos, get out, seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there. Do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy anymore at Bethel, because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. The king's prophet speaks back to Amos and says, go make your prophetic money somewhere else, please. And Amos speaks back. He, he, didn't, he didn't quite fit the bill that Amaziah was looking at. He says to him, I wasn't a prophet. I wasn't a prophet's son. I'm not part of the prophetic schools. I was a shepherd. 
I took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock, and he said, go prophesy to my people Israel. And now you're going to tell me not to prophesy. I'll tell you what, Amaziah. Your wife is going to end up in the streets. Your children will be dead, and you yourself are going to be captured in a, another country. Amos didn't play around. This, this isn't a kind of a lightweight prophet, right? He was speaking the truth to the most powerful kingdom in his region at this time, to King Jeroboam II, the great king who had spread wealth across this whole land. And he's not mincing words. The problem with Israel is that they think that they're good with God. Their affluence had been growing and growing, and they considered that to be a mark of their goodness. And their religiosity continued to grow at the same time. In fact, they got bigger. They had bigger festivals, bigger worship bands, louder sound. They had the best worship music. They had the best temples. They had the most gifted prophet, Amaziah. But God wasn't feeling it. This is what God says to the worship gatherings of Israel. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I'll not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll like a mighty river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. Israel didn't stop worshiping. They were producing beautiful new worship choruses by the dozens. They just stopped honoring them with their lives. The elite were living at these levels of complacency, and they, they hid it in their flamboyant worship styles. He says in, in Amos 8, In that day, declares the sovereign Lord, the songs in the temple will turn to wailing. Many, many bodies flung everywhere. Silence. Hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land. You're saying, when will the new moon be over so that we can sell grain? And the Sabbath be ended so we may market wheat. Skimping on the measure, boosting the price, and cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver, the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the weak. So they were going to church, and all they could think about was sales. They were going to worship Yahweh, and all they could think about was, how do I cut those corners to get that little bit of money? Hey, remember that poor guy that was working for me? Maybe I can reduce his wages that much more. They were being 
immoral in so many ways. And you know what they were doing? They're actually taking the products of their immorality and bringing it into the worship. We see this name as two. They lie down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. It's talking about being promiscuous right in the courts on these garments they stole from people. They were getting drunk, it says. They, would dr- they were, in the house of their God, they drink wine taken as fines. Sexual immorality, getting drunk in church, doing it with proceeds from breaking the poor. You can imagine why Amos is going up there and speaking to them. Amos is raising a picket sign. God will not listen to you in these wicked times. He says, I'm going on strike. I, I, I can no longer be silent. You can't be bought out by the political elites, the, the wealthy elites. He's saying, like, how can I keep silent? God is calling this out. In fact, he says that the land itself will begin to shake and tremble about what's happening here. And we learn two years later, there is an earthquake, which is probably why they preserved his writings. The songs, the loud prayers, the sacrifices, none of this was really satisfying God. Amos was realizing what what they need to worship God with isn't just like celebration. Because you know what? Worship can be awesome. Worship can be a party. Worship can be like, oh, emotionally lifting and it's just exciting. And you know what I mean? I've seen people taken away with it who don't even know the Lord. Because it's it's a powerful emotional experience. Not that that's wrong, but that's all, then that's very wrong. You start to mistake that for a true heart connection with God. A true worship isn't just songs and singing. A true worship is your life connected to God in every aspect. And living right includes how you do business. Price gouging, skimping, cheating. These are all things that people continue to do, right? Get the lowest price, even if it breaks the other person. Not caring about the labor that goes into it. Being oblivious to the poor and the marginalized. I I imagine like you, you're probably... This, is, this weighs on me. It hurts my heart because I know I worry about the honesty of my own worship. Where my wife got me a new shirt and it has a polo sign on it. I was like, oh, where was this made? <laughs> Honestly, like, right? Like, I don't know for sure. Am I, am I part of trampling the needy? How many times have I bought a new pair of shoes and have I been selling a soul for a pair of sandals. This is the heaviness that comes from being in a country like ours where we are affluent, where we're doing really well, and that guilt starts to hit us. I, I, when I pull on my, my cell phone, sometimes I think of my friend Pierre. He comes from the Congo. He tells me that his country is being ripped apart because there are minerals, trace minerals in there that are very special that we, each of our phones have that can only get in certain mines, and it's caused all sorts of warfare, Cause all sorts of child soldiers, a lot of exploitation, and I use it to call mom and see how she's doing. And I wonder about this. Like, I don't, do you, do you sometimes wonder about this? And I'm not trying to make us feel guilty. All I'm saying is like, I cry, God, God, please do not judge us. How do I let justice roll on in this kind of culture? I don't know 
where everything comes from. I don't know how, how it all works. I look at the native reserves. I grew up in Sarnia, and there's a native reserve right between two big chemical companies. And it's actually affected the birth rates. It's actually affected the, the gender rates. There's a lot more women born than men there. In the whole world, it's the only place in the whole world where this has happened. And I think, ah, oh, the great sin of our nation. And it becomes overwhelming, doesn't it? They call it justice fatigue. It's exhausting. It is. It's like, how, can I, how do I even live? How do I wake up and brush my teeth and know what's happening? It makes things really difficult. And God calls us to a different way of life. We know that. We're, we're supposed to somehow live justly. Call the justice. And, and, and I don't know about you. Sometimes I feel like doom seems imminent. I'm like, oh, man. Even in terms of how we interact with our fellow Christians, there are Christians dying right now in countries. I'm like, how do we, how do we support? We try to, as a church, support Voice of the Martyrs and other organizations are trying to, to go there and to, to do something, right? I don't know about you. Sometimes it seems overwhelming. I think, like, what can I do? And then I almost shut down and then I won't do anything. I think that's exactly what the enemy wants overwhelm you from not being able to fix everything that you do nothing. I think that's what Amos is probably a little bit upset about too. I think Amos is directly talking to people who are deliberately doing these things, right? He's talking to that, that business guy who's purposely skimming off and really put, sticking it to the, the cocoa farmers in South America. And now I buy a chocolate bar and am I part of that? I should probably look into that and work on that for sure and try to not be part of the system. But there are People who are worshiping God and doing all these things and not looking at how they practice business. And that's what he's calling us to. Like, make sure that you aren't directly, personally doing injustice to someone. Make sure that you aren't directly, personally ignoring the injustice being done to someone. Make sure that you personally are listening to the call of the Spirit of God when he says to you, when you're just a simple fig farmer, hey, I need you to go speak to this injustice. And that's probably one of the hardest ones, isn't it? What is the Spirit of God putting on my heart to say to my culture? What's he trying to say to me and my family and, and maybe my friends or my church or my company? I do know this. I think that the Lord is calling us through the prophets to live differently, to live prophetically, to have an imagination of hope that recognizes that God wants things different. He wants to break apart the power structures that are keeping injustice in place. And you can't legislate it. I don't think it's totally political. We look to our, our political people. I don't know about you. I'm looking at the states. I'm like, neither of those people are going to save us. <laughs> Maybe for the first time ever, we're like, yo, that's not how to do it. Right? We, we look to God. He's our hope. And what's he putting on the, the heart of the church? We are the alternative community that God is creating and using to change the world. We have to live di differently. I'm looking uh, for examples. And, and thankfully, I, I was having a really great talk with uh, Callum McGeorge. And he was talking about his home country, Zimbabwe. And there's a pastor there, Evan Mawari. I have a picture of him there. And this is, this, is what, this is outside of a courtroom. So Evan actually stood up and started speaking on the, the injustice and corruption he saw in Zimbabwe. If you know, there's a, 
a dictator who's been there for over three decades and really crushing the poor. There's a pastor there, a Baptist pastor, pretty simple, and he's, he's been living through this and living with it as you do when you're under an oppressive regime. And then one day he tried to get his kids into school and they said to him, you don't, you don't have enough money for the fees, like to charge everyone fees to go to school. And he's like, but they're taking all these taxes. Like the government should be applying education. And one day he decides he's going to go onto YouTube. And he speaks about this. He's like, calls it corrupt. He calls it injustice. He doesn't know why he's saying this. And all of a sudden this YouTube starts growing and growing. And he has this hashtag. It's called this flag. So he's holding the, the flag in Zimbabwe. And he's saying like, I, he's proud of his country, but he can't believe what's happening. And people start watching. It starts going viral. So this is a Christian pastor. And he starts saying to people, why don't we take a day and we'll just go on strike for one day? We'll just stop working for that day. And so he, he calls this strike and no one knows what's going to happen. The entire country shuts down for a day from like a simple pastor. Well, you can imagine what Amaziah would do, what Jeroboam II would do. Get out of our country, Amos. You can imagine what the, the powers did. They arrested him. They called him out for treason. This pastor is doing treason for listening to what the Spirit put on his heart. They put him in jail. They lock him up. Then they put him on trial. And you know what they do? They, 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 they're, they're just kind of, ah, this is going to go nowhere. What happens when you go on trial for treason in Zimbabwe is you die. But the people didn't want that. The people surrounded the courthouse and they got on their knees and they started praying for him. And what I heard from Cal was like, even people who weren't even Christians that he knew did this. They went there and they prayed and prayed and prayed. And the court threw it out. And the people rejoiced. And now he's in South Africa and he's calling on his country because he's in danger still. He's calling his country to, to keep facing this corruption. Why am I talking about this? I think this is what it looks like when the people of God start speaking out against injustice, things happen that you cannot imagine happening. Who would ever think that someone could stand up to the dictator and the people would actually come out? What is it in our hearts, in our lives, that the Spirit's calling us to speak out about? It might not be on a, on a national level, right? It might just be at work where people are, you know, secretly racist or inherently deferring to certain people other than other people or, how, how do we, in our culture, get the prophetic courage of an Amos to speak out? I think sometimes we, we don't recognize what God can do. I'll tell you what I think it looks like. And I'm, I'm really proud to be part of this church. I have joined this church, and I know you have a history of this. What it looks like to me is rolling horse. Let justice roll on like a mighty bicycle, right? It looks like next door, where Angie and, and others are building relationships with community and helping, and, and I know small groups are helping that too, like being part of these initiatives. It's, it's what's happening when we're bringing in a Syrian refugee. You see Jordan and Diane and the, and the team helping this happen, right? That's what we're talking about, the type of stuff that is real worship. So that when we can sing our songs to God, we can go, yes, we as a community are people of justice. And we got to bring it into our own lives. He calls us to a new way of I think we need to stay personally away from the things that involve us being unjust when we want to worship God properly. We have to make sure we're fighting against the injustice. And, and then make sure when we're worshiping God that we recognize that this is the time to meet him and let him transform our hearts for real. Any of those pieces in your heart that you're holding off from him, you need to open them up. Let the Spirit speak to them. 
James 1.27 says, Religion that our God, our Father, accepts as pure, faultless is this, looking after the orphans and widows and keeping yourself polluted from the world. If we're going to be a true religious community, we need to look out for the poor and the defenseless. We have to let our, our hearts open to recognize that God wants us to be a church that cares about where our shirts come from. He wants us to be a church that cares about the people who we see in the streets day to day and we can tell are not doing too well. We have to stand up for the righteous. And I know it's hard. I've got to tell you this. When I married Megan, I was just a typical Sarnia guy. I come from oil country, right? So I was have my, my top running all the time and leave it running when I was brushing my teeth. And Megan's like, you better turn that off when you're brushing. And I'm like, what? It's just a few seconds or minutes, depending on. And at first I thought it was just ridiculous, right? Who cares? Slowly but surely, I started realizing, like, it's not just my wife trying to hit at me. This is actually something that I should care about. There's a, there's a justice that comes with water issues. Even though we come in a country that has all this beautiful water, right? You see what I'm saying? It's these little things in our lives. Am I going to let the Spirit speak to me or not? Am I going to let him talk to me and say, here's a place in your life where you can learn a little bit more about justice. Here's a place in how you're going about your business where you can be a little more righteous. And let him speak to us. Not to fill us with guilt and shame, but to fill us with freedom and righteousness. To be able to speak in his name in a way that we can walk forward going, my God is helping me bring righteousness and justice and holiness to the earth together with my church. God is calling and we can't ignore him. We got to fear God. But you know what we also have to do? We have to hope in God. Part of this is hope. And what I love about Amos, he has a lot of those minor keys. Like it is going strong for a long time. It's doom and gloom. And you got to read it because it's, it's beautiful prophetic judgment. When you read it, you're like, oh, this is, it hits hard. It hits my heart hard. But he ends his passage, and I love how he ends, because he wants to make sure that we recognize that God is working to something beautiful. He's teaching us all this to bring beauty. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all of the hills. I will bring back my exiled people, Israel. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land that I have given them. Thus says the Lord your God. This is the beautiful thing that God is doing. All the righteous judgment, all the prophetic words that he's speaking to us about getting right with God, about him rejecting worship. This is all in place so that we will see a new world when justice and mercy do reign and he has proclaimed us, his people, his family, and he is doing beautiful things with us, through us, and to us. Let's pray. God, May your spirit speak to our hearts. May your Holy Spirit right now begin to work in us. Speak to us about how you want us to be just. Speak to us about the things in our lives that you want us to entrust to you, that you want us to hand over to you.
Show us how we as a community can continue to show our culture, our city, our country, what God wants, the beautiful picture of the future that God is planning. Let us be part of that. Let us speak that to our world. Let us be tools that you can use. Let us be prophets to speak, not just the judgment, but also the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen.